0: Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the JGP podcast. And once again joined by my colleague Neil Ray. Hi Neil. Hi. And we've come up to Shipley in Yorkshire today to sit down with Geraldine Howley, who is the chief executive of In Communities. How are you doing, Geraldine?
1: Fine, thank you.
0: Let's start with. How did you get into the housing sector?
1: Okay, that was some time ago. Um, (laughs) People don't like you to say that you you fell into the job Mm -hmm. because I think now we want to encourage people to say it was a a job of choice. But back in the time when I first uh, went into housing, I was actually training to be a teacher and I decided I didn't want to teach. uh, And I took a, a year out and got a temporary job on the reception of a housing and environmental health department in Bradford and I thought I absolutely love it here and I don't want to leave and, um, but I've studied and um, I do want a career uh, and I went to see somebody at that time who was a principal officer uh, and he probably was the right sort of person who was probably had those sort of mentoring skills uh, and he suggested that I had the qualifications to do the professional qualification, the Chartered Institute of Housing, and I just had to look out for a job that was going to be uh, possibly coming up uh, as a housing management officer uh, and and apply for it. And, And so a job did come up, I did apply for it. I got the job uh, and then I got day release to do the Chartered Institute of Housing Qualific- Professional Qualification mm-hmm. and so and I've never looked back <laughs> so uh, absolutely um, I don't know I think it's a privilege to work in the in the sector yeah. uh, and I think what is a little bit disappointing at times is that people don't always realise there's great careers in housing yeah. and when you go into talk to people in schools and things like it's not something that's generally talked about so one of the things that we try to do it in communities is to um, go out there and sell housing as a, a great profession.
0: We've had a number of conversations like this where it's certainly for younger people in, in schools it's the thing of oh yeah you can go and be a yeah. doctor or you can go and be a teacher and make a difference yeah. but not realising that, that is, that's there too. Was that what it was back in that first position? Back in that just first that, position. That opportunity yeah. To, to, yeah, do to do something a it. bit different. Yeah
1: and I think doing the Chartered Institute of Housing qualification It allowed uh, me to build up some networks from a very young age, Mm -hmm. uh, because there were people at Salford College, which is where we did it, um, traveling to Salford every week, and that were from different organizations. Mm -hmm. And we built up a bit of a rapport, and and even when we finished the qualification, we kept in touch. Uh, And so, already your networks, because they were in associations in the Northwest, in other parts of Yorkshire, and you had this, your peer group, people that were in the sector and then you'd be going to the conferences and you'd see them because I think part of the issue is it can take a while to build up those networks and I believe but uh, that's how you learn Mm. I think there's it was different ways of learning but you can learn so much from each other from your peers and from action learning groups and things like that Uh, and doing that qualification and going to college going into the classroom one day a week Really helped. It was a fantastic yeah. start, and all the way uh, there are people sort of that I was in the classroom with that uh, the former chief executive accent Gordon Perry. Him and I are in the classroom together, so <laughs> and we often talk about it. So it did mean that you sort of got friends for life, and you got you got colleagues for you know you work in life that you could keep in touch with. So yeah, it was and also good.
2: So, so one question I have is you just said you absolutely loved housing, what was it that you really loved about it that kept you in, in the um, sector for uh,
1: such a long time? I suppose every day was different uh, and it was about people and it was about helping people uh, and you could see an end to what you did and, uh, and it, an achievement to what you did so you uh, Often it was, um, if you were sort of assisting people in terms of their housing and the fact that eventually, you know, they did get the right house in the right area, then that yeah. was a, an achievement. Doing a regeneration scheme, um, you know, again, you've know, you know, seeing the before and after. So making a difference. And I think having a job in housing is all, all about, in, uh, this is our, our strapline actually, it is all about improving lives and it is all about making a difference. And it's not about, I'm a landlord because yeah. I did the, the Charter Surveyor I'm mean a Charter Surveyor as well I uh, did that qualification and people says, oh you could go into the private sector and you know yeah. you could earn a lot of money and you could set up your and I was like I don't want to do that because it's what I like doing is doing something with a social purpose and going into the private sector it's not a job with a social purpose mm-hmm. I think I'd have found it fairly mundane a bit over commercialised um, whereas here it's about Doing something with a social purpose, and that's the difference.
0: And I suppose it's that that thing of the difference between the person in in the house being just that a person rather than a a number and a spreadsheet. A number, and yeah, yeah. How long have you been in communities now?
1: Um, right from the very beginning, which is right. fifteen years. Wow, so wow. Yeah. So I did help set up the organisation, and it's moved on and is very different to how it was 15 years ago. Um, so, yeah, lots of different changes in terms of the governance, uh, in terms of the money that we spent on the properties, and t- you know, we were all, because of the stock transfer, it meant we could borrow um, money from the banks and the building mm-hmm. societies, and you know, about 300 million pounds has been invested. Mm-hmm. into homes and just seeing that happen. But the other thing was also after a few years saying let's start building houses as well Yeah, uh, and setting up our, t- our development team that actually project manages the building as well. So it's quite exciting to see how that's turned around.
2: So I've actually noticed quite a lot that a lot of the clients and people that i have been working with all over the country um, are spending a lot more time focusing on the development side and the construction. Do you see that as something that's going to continue in the north?
1: We're part of a, a group called, an organisation called h for n Houses, for well they are Homes for the North, uh, and we've done quite a bit of research, and in that research we've established that there is a real need to increase supply in the north. What I have to say is it's about in the right place of the right type, mm-hmm, yeah. um, whereas I think in certain areas of the south it's just <laughs> supply 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 yeah. in the north I think it's just it's just slightly nuanced mm-hmm. so you you know that your big, you big know, cities, your big cities your Manchesters your Leeds, um you know there's a massive demand for for homes there. Um, there's certain areas of Bradford where there is no demand for, for homes but then there's other areas of Bradford where there's a massive demand for homes so it's all about um, where the jobs are and you know where, is the location right have you got you know where, what are the property values so as a home it's really interesting and we've done a lot of research on this because we want to know where we're building is, is the right place and for who so we know in in communities, we've got an oversupply of flats or apartments, whatever we like to call them, and, and we've got a shortage of family homes. So on the one hand, uh, it's not about supply, supply, supply then, is it? Because we're actually doing demolition at the same time. Yeah. You probably wouldn't see much of that in the South, although I, do, I am aware that is happening uh, in the South as well. There's still regeneration happening in the South but i think what we've got is uh, the issue of tower blocks um which are probably more popular in the south because yeah. there is the demand is probably mm-hmm. higher uh, than it is in in certain areas in in the north uh, and so some of us in the north are actually taking out those tower blocks and replacing them with family homes, but you won't be getting the numbers, you know, yeah. you won't be replacing light for light. but what we strive to do is to make sure, as I say, we have the right homes of the right type and the right location and, and that's what we need to do because... There's no point in having half-empty tower blocks, and we have had half-empty tower blocks. So you do know you've just got to have the right type of properties, where you probably wouldn't have half-empty tower blocks in London, would you? It's quite complex. What you have to do is you have to do your research, and you've got to keep your research on your markets um, and have that market intelligence. And it can change from year to year, so you've really got to keep up to speed with what's, what's happening out there.
0: Yeah, I think I, mean, I think that's a really interesting point. Of the you know, we often hear the figures of the you know, hundreds of thousands of new homes that are needed mm. to be built. But something that doesn't necessarily get focused on is that actually, if that was hundreds of thousands of one and two bedroom apartments, yeah. then this, there is still a severe need for yeah. the actual size of homes. Yeah. Mm. So, take it all the way back. How did in communities begin?
1: Politically, there was underinvestment in the homes. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, sorry, there was underinvestment in homes. And politically, um, there was the government at the time was saying you've got to make a decision on how you're going to get your homes up to a decent standard. That was across the, everybody yeah. that had uh, social housing, essentially. So, everybody at the time were doing options appraisals. Can we afford to stay as we are? Or do we have to go to a housing, can we become a housing association and borrow money from banks and building societies? Or can we do it through public borrowing? Mm-hmm. Or can we do an arm's length? So everybody had these options appraisal. So in West Yorkshire, for example, Lees did it and at that time took a decision to be arm's length. Kirklees and now they've gone back in to the council. Uh, Kirk Lees decided to be arm's length, they still arm's length. Wakefield, um, Calderdale, and ourselves, the the outcome of that option appraisal was the best way forward was to be a housing association and borrow and get investment mm-hmm. because if we'd have stayed as we were we would not have got sufficient investment if we'd have been arms length we would have not got sufficient investment so the only way forward because we had about twenty six thousand properties at the time was to actually say we'll go out and borrow the money on a big 30-year loan like a mortgage yeah. <laughs> um and then what we've done over the years is refinance that and you know differently you know, so you, you, at the moment we're in the middle of refinancing and saying well we want to go and get more money now mm-hmm. uh, but that enabled us to meet the decent home standard and get our proxies up to that you know in fact we met more than the decent home standard we had a Bradford standard so because some decent home standard was fairly basic so we said we want to do a bit more yeah. uh, and and then the other issue was about getting the right homes in the right place so doing some regeneration and, doing some, and building some new homes as well, so it's a whole factor of things and being able to do things differently, I don't miss a bureaucracy by the way, <laughs> having to go to committee to get everything approved, so we have a board, we have very strong governance, we've got a very excellent board. Uh, and so, but we, we we can at least recognise what's operational and what's we what what's you know what's strategic and what we put to the board uh, and what, Whereas I think within the council things can get a bit muddied uh, yeah. when the politics comes into it, you know, in terms of decision making.
2: So on that note of you talking about your board being quite strong, where has your board come from? I mean, are they from the private sector? Are they from any specific industries and how did you go, out, go about going okay. to kind of get those people okay. involved?
1: Um, so when we started off we had a number of subsidiaries and it, it didn't work um, and it was because the government at that time said we were too big to go as one housing association um, and we ended up, because of the politics being six under a parent and there was 115 board members and that was just crazy. So when we could, when the, uh, the, change, the government changed the rules and said actually you don't have to, you can be one, um, we quickly sort of worked to collapse that structure but it wasn't easy because we, it was very, a lot of our residents were involved and most of the chairs were residents because Mm -hmm. that was the way you were being encouraged to set up in the first place. Um, And we realized at that time that whilst it was good to have residents involved, it wasn't necessarily, we didn't have the right skills on the board. So I think there's there's an issue about where, you know, resident involvement in your governance structure and having the right skills, and you've got to have the right skills, and you, you do have to, you know. I we have residents involved in our new structure, but it's at it's at different levels, and we have had residents on the top boards, but that's because they've got the they've got the the right skills. So what we do is we. Um, make sure you know we have a skills matrix so we look at the gaps so what you don't want is everybody with with a finance hat on or everybody with a legal hat on so you've got you, you need to ensure that you, you have got you know people with commercial experience but also you've got people that understand social purpose businesses and I think that's crucial because if you get a board full of people that are all from the private sector and commercial sector they might not just get what you're about <laughs> and when you're doing things which are not for a profit it's sometimes hard to say you know why are you doing this because it's not making any return and I think you've got to have those people around the board that recognize that sometimes you might not make a return but actually there is a social return because you know you're investing in your yeah. communities so so we always ensure that we have people from from the sector, so they understand the sector, people that understand governance, people that have got a financial background, and and, and people that understand risk and strategy. So we try to, on the matrix, make sure that we get all those boxes ticked to get the right people.
2: I mean, the reason I asked that question is um, a lot of housing associations are looking to try and improve their governance and try and get the right type of people in there. And I think whilst it's great to have that resident involvement, so you're actually getting the ideas and really understanding the community, you're right. You need those yeah. skills, and where are those skills coming from? And actually, to bring those kind of people to your business yeah. is actually quite often yeah. very difficult to attract them. Yeah,
1: we, so yeah, well, we do remunerate as well. We didn't used to, but we just, we took a decision. If you remun- if you do remunerate. There are lots of things that you want your board members to do outside of the board meetings. Uh, so you want quality time with them, you want them to do some training and development, you want strategic away days, and I think it's a lot to ask if you're not given any remuneration. Whereas if you remunerate, there is sort of this psychological contract that, you know, we expect people to do a bit more, so we decided to, to do that.
2: Great.
0: Fantastic. So what what's coming for in communities, what do you see the next five or ten years oh, bringing?
1: Yeah, well interestingly enough we're just working on our next strategy to take us to 2040, mm. so we've got one that's called the pathway to 2025 and we mm-hmm. suddenly thought, ooh, we better best, you know, we're, time moves quick and we better start thinking about after 2025 because we're going for refinancing and we need a bigger view than the next seven years really. Um, and so we're, we're working on that with the board and it's about being more ambitious uh, and so it's, it is about um, building more homes, regenerating more of our communities, sustaining mm-hmm. more of our communities and continuing to do um, some of the things that we do for our people, like employment. So in communities, majors on getting people into work mm-hmm. and we've worked with Bradford Council to do that. with. Um, got european funding at the moment so uh and we've got 400 people into work through that european funded scheme and wow. um, that runs out in 2019 so we need to think about what else we can go for and what else we can apply for so we're looking at big lottery funding and things yeah. like that but it's been really successful so what we have is people working out in the community centers and and we work with have job clubs job fairs things like that encouraging people to get into work and we use so that funding helps us to do that over and above the core business but it is your business because what we have is quite a lot of people on benefits and so the whole point is to get those people out of benefits and into work so that's that's why we do
0: it so i mean you've spoken about kind of what Got you into housing and things, but what what do you feel the housing sector offers um, as a as a career? What's yeah. the what's the big pull?
1: I think there's some great opportunities now. I mean, I am currently at the moment. I'm interim chair of the Chartered Institute of Housing Mm -hmm. so we're quite close to some of the things that are happening in the sector to get young people engaged in the sector and I just think that people sometimes see housing as a career and they, they might see a path of housing management and working your way up but it's very diverse so you have people working in IT, finance, HR uh, OD, uh, governance, uh, and then employment, so it's, and I think people don't realise that as well, because Mm -hmm. when I've talked to young people, um, so we had this, um, program which was funded through the schools, and the funding is no longer there, where we took sixteen year olds in for a day, every, every week, and they did the Chartered Institute of Housing qualification, the, a level three I think it was. Uh, and we used to talk, and they were all sixth form, but they were from schools on our estate, so in areas that were quite deprived. Uh, and these kids had come through to sixth form, and the teachers saying, "Can you do any? You know, can you do anything as well as what you do with apprentices? Can you do something different?" And when I was talking to them, you, you know, I'd say, we'd well, you know you've done your CIH level three and you're off to university now and will you come back into housing oh no I want to work in IT and go well you can work in IT (laughs) you can work in IT in housing you know so I think there's just there's a message to be got across that there's lots of fantastic careers within the housing sector and it's not whilst housing management is what people think about there's lots of other careers as well and it's it's getting that across Uh, and I'm not sure we quite get that across but yeah. there are all those different disciplines you know that can surveyors architects you know you name it uh, people take on a, a, yeah. a wide range of people in into these organizations and i suppose that's the challenge because people just see it as well or uh, perhaps i don't want to do housing because quite fancy working in, you know other other bits but you can as well as our um, our graduate programme, which is our, you know, a bit of a jewel in the crown. <laughs>
0: tell us about the graduate programme. Okay, you know,
1: I'm itching to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's been going 10 years next year, which and um, we've had 250 graduates through the programme. So how it started was, it started, started with the Labour Party just before um, they sort of lost, really, uh, and there was a bit of funding called Working Neighbourhoods Funding, and there was this... Um, recommendation that um that, well they were sort of saying why don't um housing associations or organizations have a look at you know grad taking graduates because graduates are coming out of university yeah. and they're not getting into into careers they're sort of coming out of university and doing jobs they could have done without going through university so we set this program up uh, with a bit of this neighborhoods funding and then of course um, it was just three months where we took some graduates uh, and it worked really well but it was just like three months placements, and then the funding ran out and then you know labor lost sort of we're no longer in government and we thought well there's a gem of an idea here and we want to continue it so i we spoke to some partners within the within the region and said if we set something up um a graduate scheme that we'll make it it was six months and then we make it a year and we pay the graduates, would you want to be part of it? People said yes. So we said we'd be the home of it, uh, and we work with um, a partner, so um, Sutton Smith the call them, and we set up this little um, partnership called Centre for Partnership, and that's the home of the home of the gem, mm-hmm. uh, and we've now taken 250. So we moved, so what happens is to get paid placement, They have to apply for a role. And where it's moved to now is housing associations or councils or arms lens management organisations can say, I want a graduate. And then we say, well, what do you want them to do? So they might say development or IT or housing management or policy. So we say, give us a role specification. And we recruit those people with the organisation. They get a year, they get paid, and they, they get the living wage. But in that, they do the Chartered Institute of Housing, and they get six days which we call gem shacks mm-hmm. so they get a day on homelessness they'll get a day on regeneration or two days they get a day in northern ireland because one of our partners is from the northern ireland housing sector so they go around and see and um, you know all the, the the issues that there are in in northern ireland uh, we partner with a Dutch organisation, so they get to Holland um, and then they have one day where John Healy uh, hosts a day at Westminster Whitehall. Oh, wow. They get to meet senior civil servants, the senior, uh, and they get to meet ministers and they do speed dating with MPs, and, <laughs> and then they get the leaders from various organisations and come in to talk to them. So it's a fantastic programme because to get that experiential learning, as well as getting the Institute of Housing qualification, as well as getting a placement in a role in, in an organisation. So yeah. it works really well. And some of our partners say, we want to host a day, so we've got three in Liverpool, three housing associations, and they came together and said, can we do something on regeneration for your graduates? So last week, all the graduates spent two days in Liverpool. Um, And so on, so and then we've now got construction company United Living that's got graduates on. So um, in September or October. And they're hosting two days for our graduates, and, and so all the graduates will get test of construction. And so at the end of it, they might say, well, they get the breadth of different um, sort of roles, and and they might say, well, I quite enjoy being in development, but actually I saw what happened at United Living, <laughs> and I want a job in construction. So And we do a lot on home, homelessness. Yep. So we were having uh, an event at Saltsville, which I told you about, and the guy that played I, Daniel Blake... David Johns, I think, call him. He's coming to talk to them. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah. And the patron of our GEM program is a former homeless person. Right. So he comes and talks to them. So they get that social purpose and we recruit. They can have any degree going because we don't believe it's about um, somebody should understand a bit about housing. They can apply themselves to that as long as they. we just want to make sure they're at a certain level. Uh, and then uh, they have they want to work in an organisation with a social purpose and invariably at the end of it the organisations are not obliged to keep the graduates at the end of the year but the majority of them do Mm -hmm. or if there isn't a role for them because they've just created a role then um, the graduates apply and, and get jobs yeah. elsewhere. The ones that we've taken here are now in, a lot of them are in senior management, so or middle yeah. management, too. To, yeah. you know, heading on to senior management. And so, you know, just as part of our talent management strategy, it, it's worked wonders. Mm. And uh, now we've got Holmes England saying they want to take, yeah, um, oh take wow. graduates. So it's, it's very proud of it. Uh, we've got people from Wheatley Group, Scotland, uh, Northern Ireland, House and Exec, and we've even got graduates from Canada. <laughs> From housing association in Edmonton that heard about the program through um, some international links that I have and said can we be part of this uh, Unbelievable. yeah so it's now we can honestly say it's now global and Hong Kong are looking for some government funding to put some of theirs on so, yeah, yeah. It
0: seems to tick all the boxes in mm-hmm. terms of you know, you know when so many people that you speak to that they get out of, of university and it actually in order to gain the experience yeah. they need they have to take unpaid internships yeah. or they have to pay to get those those next professional qualifications, or nobody will look at them because they haven't got that little bit of work experience. Yeah. And so, it kind of you're providing that sort of almost like triple threat. Yeah, there and yeah,
1: and it just gets people sort of the um, people once they're in it don't want to leave it. Mm. So it's. Uh,
2: I think it's quite interesting that obviously it's such a great scheme that you're running for graduates, and a lot of graduates don't know what they want to do when they leave university. Yeah, exactly. And just as you alluded to before. A lot of the um, the types of opportunities they might not consider, mm. like a housing association, is because they just don't know that a housing association essentially still needs to run like a business, Yeah. still has a HR department, still has a finance team, still has an IT department and all of the above, yeah. so oh, that's really awesome. Yeah, that we've got somebody do.
1: in IT at the moment that's a graduate and he'll stay in IT, you know, so in fact he was graduate last year, he actually has got a job in IT, so yeah, so he, he sort of, but what is really good is because I always want in communities people that work in the corporate services to understand housing because you can get you can be an accountant come and work for us and you don't want them not to get what we're about yeah. so it gives people that grounding and and then we do quite a few things where people can volunteer so we and we encourage people to be coaches and mentors and we put them on coaching qualifications. Some of our corporate services people, resources people, actually are tutors on the gem program so they'll come and do a final session or. a a policy person might do a policy session so mm-hmm. yeah so and then what we try to do with our graduates that come through the program is we sort of say how would you like to come and be a tutor for the gems that are coming through and put something back yeah. so it, it continues and it helps everybody's sort of personal development mm.
2: so what impact do you think is actually had on your business having more graduates coming in maybe i guess some fresh ideas people that don't know mm-hmm necessarily everything about housing, what impact has it had on the, on the wider business? I
1: think it's been great in terms of looking at our succession planning uh, and just getting our breadth of people from different places, but one of the things that has happened, and um, so we've, we've added to our programme, is that some of the people that were currently here that were young, that were graduates, some said, well I wouldn't have minded that had a loan <laughs> at the year. So what we've uh, created is something called Talent In House and they join the GEM programme as well. So, for example, this year we're probably going to be taking three or four people that are graduates or at graduate level, so um, we if people we think are at graduate level but they didn't quite get there, they might have left university a bit earlier, we put them through a bit of an assessment centre and we they can go to the programme. Because we don't want to just, people might go, oh, well I just didn't quite get there and I'm going to miss out. So we've sort of just been flexible but they do have to get through this assessment centre. And so those people are currently in jobs. And what we do is um, they do the six GEM Chaps, as we call them, and they do the Institute of Housing Qualification. And various. And there are other projects we try to Like this year, we asked them all to do, pledge something for homelessness. And so they've all done different things, so they'll do something like that. So we've put people on that way, and you can just see how they grow. Uh, and so what we want to do now, because it's fairly... We've only done that over the last couple of years. Is grow that even more and say, well, because otherwise you get a bit of gem envy, as we call it. There you know? <laughs> <laughs> we go. Well, that's all all very well, but what about us? So, and then it's then again there is an issue about that because then there are what do you do about training and development for people that are not at, not graduates or mm. at graduate level. So we um, we've just employed somebody uh, who's an OD specialist to actually work for us. Uh, and we're starting to look about how we make sure that everybody that wants an opportunity uh, can have that opportunity. So I mean,
0: one of the things we wanted to talk about is kind of the uh, attracting a younger generation into mm. the sector and you know, mm. the responsibilities of the housing associations to essentially future-proof the, yeah, the sector. Definitely. Is there anything else that you think that you, you would like to be doing here or that other housing associations could be doing?
1: I think it is about attracting younger people into the sector, and, and so we do a lot of school fairs, job fairs, uh, and I think that's what the sector should do, um, to encourage people to, and we have we have taste days, so we have this, um, shame you haven't got time to see this, but we have this building, um, we call it Training Terrace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always sort of say it's like Coronation Street under a um, under a hangar, sort <laughs> <It's> of an <laughs> airport hangar or something. And it's on an industrial estate. And what we've done is we've got our apprenticeship to build sort of a terrace of houses, not quite a terrace, but one or two of yeah. them. Um, and what we use it for is people to uh, to train, so they can come and put a sink in, or they can put a tap washer on, or, or they can take it out, or they can put a roof on, and can do things like that. So we get schools in to do that and we have these taste days but whilst we're at that I think it's not just about saying come here and be an apprentice we need to sort of say oh well, there are you know there are careers in housing mm-hmm. and uh, so it is about getting in communities out there so we encourage lots of people to come in and have fun so we do that side of things and, and we do a lot on that apprentices um, sort of um, marketing and what have you but I think we probably need to do a bit more on the careers but you know yeah. so we seem to be yeah, and that is like the job fairs and going into mm. schools and I, I also think partnership's really key mm-hmm. so we work work with CBI sometimes and going to schools and so they'll have a concerted sort of campaign about getting businesses to go into schools to talk about the businesses and we all join in on that as well yeah. so i think collaboration is key as well I, mm-hmm. I don't believe you should do everything totally on your own but try i, mean, I think especially when
0: especially when social purpose and social responsibility yeah. is at the core then yeah. it's not about competition no. it's about you know stronger together yeah
2: and, yeah um, and, and things yeah. like that I think it's also really, really important, you know, um, I think there's a lot of talk about the millennial generation and they need to get behind some sort of cause, some sort of Mm -hmm. purpose Mm that they can feel part of, and I think drumming in that social purpose so early on when they are leaving school or coming out of university, I think that's a really great thing to do, and actually something that we need to encourage more housing associations across the country to do, Mm -hmm. uh, to try and obviously bring in in that fresh blood, give the graduates and apprentices an Mm -hmm. opportunity. But equally for succession planning, because you do need to have that workforce that's going to kind of take take it take it to the next level in twenty to forty years. Yeah, you
1: know, I agree. I think some of us are sat on a bit of a ticking time bomb <laughs> because I think there's a bit of an age demography, particularly with stock transfers, because people that took them across, myself included. You know, I'm not going to be here forever, and you sort of think. So what you what's been happening, and you look across, is that you do get chief execs. That, there has been of a similar generation that all came across at the time and it's like oh you know and then you look at your management team and you sort of think oh you know we do need to get some younger people um ready and, and succession planning is something our board is very keen on and we have conversations about it and that's why it's great to see the gems and i can say well look Look where we're, And so at the last board meeting, I brought four of them into the board meeting. We had a bit of a pre-meeting and I asked them to talk about that, how they've got into in communities oh. through the GEM program and how their career progressed since just so the board could see that there was some succession and, you know, things yeah. were happening and this the GEM program was working. But the, as I say, there has to be other routes as well to, to get people in. So we've just got
0: to be mindful. Yeah. So I'm worried that we're very quickly running out of time, but um, it'd be, uh, what do you consider to be the big challenges facing the housing sector beyond kind of future-proofing and, and things like that?
1: I think one of the things that concerns me is what the welfare reforms mm-hmm. have done and how they translate on the ground, uh, and I think that's a big concern because we, when I started working in housing quite a long time ago, I saw quite a lot of poverty yeah. and and then there was there seemed to be an era where it wasn't as apparent and um, and i almost feel that we're turning full circle back to some of those some of that yeah and um, the reliance on food banks um, one of the things that our staff do with absolutely great they, they all do charitable i can't keep up but they all do charitable sponsored works things like yeah. that but we actually have a, we're a food bank collection point as well okay. so people Come in and, and they do that, and we do other things like clothing, and you know, so a lot mm-hmm. of staff do get involved in that. But the amount of people that are particularly well in this area I don't know if it's the same elsewhere, I should imagine it is but the reliance on food banks is is really going up. Um, and people like the benefit I'm not being political and being factual, but. The, like the benefit cap, we've just seen how that's sort of affected uh, some people course, and are yeah. finding it hard to manage and, and budget. I am worried about universal credit, and that's been rolled out. And the reason being, I understand the principles of it, that universal credit is to make sure that then people have learned how to, you know, can budget, and, and you know, and it's not just hand, you know, hand out of benefits that they get the universal credit and then they pay the rent, and then, whereas now the rent goes direct. And so there is a bit about... Um, you know, people managing and, and budgeting but uh, when we look at some of the amount that people are getting and, and, and people that are in and out of work how that can affect you know what comes in and yeah. we, we do see some people struggling um, so those are sort of worries I think um, I see I, I'm worried about some of the people um, some of our more vulnerable people and what yeah. support they get mm-hmm. um, and you know, we are sort of having conversations at the moment about and we have more of a joined up piece between health and housing, and, and mental health is a big issue, and I'm yeah. seeing more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just you just sort of think there are some challenges ahead to make sure yeah. that you know those people are. Um, you, you can give somebody a house, but if you go in and you find they're in a sleeping bag on the floor, which yeah. I have seen, then it's not really a good result, is mm-hmm. it? So there are those sort of issues, and and so yeah, it my biggest worry is. is is for the people that we serve really
2: yeah one one thing I'll say just hearing hearing from you Geraldine about some of the things that communities are doing some of the things that's really seen quite close to your heart is the social purpose really is at the heart Mm. of everything you do and really giving back to the community giving giving those options helping people into work getting people the right places to live it seems so strong in, in the messaging that you have and it's really amazing to hear that and uh, I really look forward to seeing more from in-communities and, and reading more about you as well.
1: Well, thank
0: you very much. Thank you. we'd run out of time, unfortunately, have to let you go, or we could listen to you <laughs> talk about it all day. Um, if people wanted to find out more about in communities and the, the work you're doing so is it in communities.co.uk yes is the it is website
1: yeah people you know some if people are making inquiries that if it comes through to me it will get fielded to mm-hmm. you know the right people yeah. but yeah look at the website you know and uh, we have facebook and we have a uh, in communities twitter as well
0: well jolene thank you so much for your you're time welcome. today you're welcome yeah a pleasure. enjoy speaking thank to you. thank you <laughs>